Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, good evening wherever you are in the world. Man, I am so excited to have everybody join us tonight for this amazing discussion. It's going to be powerful. We're going to be delving into the topic of um, what it means to be a spiritual family. We're going to be talking about sons and daughters and fathers and, and how God has created us to not just follow Jesus. You know, a lot of times we use language like Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. But the truth is God has created us to be part of a community, a community of faith or what we call a kingdom community. God wants you and me to be in relationship with others. You know, in the New Testament, there's over 60 times where the two words, the phrase one anothering, you know, we talk about one anothering, loving one another, encouraging one another, and so on. And, and the truth is that we cannot one another if we're not in community, if we're not part of a spiritual family. And God has designed us to be part of a body, and each one of us is an important part of the body. And so are you a body part or are you part of the body? God wants you to be both, ideally. And so tonight we're going to talk about what it looks like to be connected uh, to a spiritual family and particularly the role of fathers and uh, children in the spiritual sense. And so it's going to be a great discussion. We've got um, with us tonight all the way from Australia, Pastor Kevin Forlong. We've got from Chicago with us tonight, Pastor Arthur Geis. And then we have four millennials that I'll be introducing to you guys as well. And they're going to be giving us uh, their perspective on spiritual fathering in the family of God. But look, guys, thank you so much already. Lots of comments coming in. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you guys may, yeah, leaving your comments. Looks like uh, some of our, our guests tonight have some followers here. That's awesome. Glad you guys got some of your fam and your friends uh, here. Guys, let us know where you're watching from. As always, go ahead and hit the share button. We are live on Amazon Fire TV. We are live on Roku right now, on Apple TV, on Google TV, on the Kingdom Community apps as well which is Android and iOS, Kingdom Community. We're live on our website, kingdomcommunity.global. And of course, we're live on social media as well, Facebook and, uh, and also on YouTube. So thank you guys. Very cool. Australia, Oklahoma, Kentucky. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Bless you guys. Yeah, thank you. So good to have you watching with us tonight. Well, I want to just mention to you, uh, next week, uh, we have some amazing interviews next week. I want to just tell you a little bit about that because, 
really, guys, these are some powerful interviews. I usually don't do a lot of interviews in one week, but we have just had this incredible opportunity to connect with some amazing people from around the world that are going to be spending time with us. So on Monday, check this out, on Monday at 9.30 p.m., we are doing a roundtable, the Kingdom Community Roundtable. We're going to be talking about the Great Commission, and we actually have uh, assembled a panel of pastors and missionaries from Asia. These guys are on the front lines. They're ministering in unreached people groups. They are doing an incredible work at reaching people with the gospel. You're going to hear stories that are going to blow you away, miracle stories, what God is doing in, in places all around the world, on the front lines, unreached people groups. It's powerful. One of my guests is going to be David Eubank. And David Eubank is a former Special Forces soldier, and he has started a ministry called Free Burma Rangers. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but there's a movie out. You can watch it on Amazon or whatever. It's Free Burma Rangers. I just want to show you guys the trailer, so watch this. Well, you have one life, and you might as well go for it, because what are you going to hold on to? I grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand. I remember thinking, I think I'm more of a soldier. I felt God had something else for me to do. I turned to Karen and I said, I'm going to Burma. Will you come with me? Will you marry me? I felt in my heart, say no and let it go, or you say yes and you get in. I have no other plan, just go. Go to the sound of the guns, go to the sound of need, and trust God to show you how you can be useful. David Eubank, a former Special Forces captain, has gone on to found a relief group called the Free Burma Rangers. Helping those fleeing the front lines of war. His wife and three children go with him into the conflict area. As we did these relief missions, more and more ethnic people began to join us. I want to go and help my people as I can. We hope these things will change the world. We're here on the border of Iraq, and these are all refugees that have been fleeing ISIS. This is the craziest thing in the world to do, and yet we knew we had to respond. I felt God's voice, get on your knees and pray. Get on my knees. I look like a Christian nutcase, man. ISIS just opens up on three sides. Bullets are pinging off the Humvee like crazy. Everything is just right there on the edge. How far is that going to take Dave? Yeah, alive! Never. What's happened to you is wrong. We're going to help you even if you die trying. We're not going to leave you because you count. Jesus, help me. Yeah, guys, so this Monday at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, we have a panel of missionaries and pastors 
even some indigenous pastors that are going to be joining us here. And we're going to be talking about the Great Commission, Reaching Unreached People Groups. It's going to be powerful. Hope you can join us. One of my guests on Monday night is going to be uh, David Joannis. And David is an incredible missionary, spent 15 years in the underground church in China, has been interrogated by the Chinese government, held hostage by child soldiers, hidden and in the jungles. You know, David is an incredible guy. He's going to be on the panel discussion Monday night, but I'm also doing a one-on-one interview with David on Thursday night at 8 p.m. And at Central Time, it's going to be an awesome time as well. Then on Tuesday night, I'm back and forth. We get Monday and then Thursday. Now we're back to Tuesday. I've got Tony Kim. Tony is an incredible reformer and revivalist from California, works closely with Cheon, has his own ministry, raising and equipping people for revival and reformation around the world. Tony's a good friend. We're going to be talking about reformation and revival. That's going to be on Tuesday night. And I just want to encourage you guys, 2022 is coming. We are offering some online training as well as in-person training. Rolling out, you guys are the first to hear about it, the Soteria School. Do you know the word Soteria, salvation? One of the most profound meanings of that word is freedom from the harassment of an enemy. That's what it means. So my wife and I, we're going to be traveling. We're also going to be teaching online healing, deliverance, freedom, and miracles. We are available to come to your city. If you're interested, go to awakenations.org, Soteria. And let's see the power of God manifest on the earth. And then we're also doing a second school of ministry, again, online as well as in person. The Kingdom School is more about equipping people to step into the glory, to manifest the power of the Kingdom of God, to see the genuine miracles that we read about in the New Testament. God wants to manifest his power, the miraculous, the supernatural on the earth today. And I know that he's looking for people that will simply yield to him. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. And as I said, tonight is going to be an awesome time. We're going to be talking about spiritual fathers and spiritual children and how do we connect and how do we live together in the kingdom of God. Again, thanks for your comments. Thanks for sharing this broadcast. My name is Glenn Blakeney. I am the founder and president of Awake Nations Ministries, as well as the Kingdom Community. You can learn more about the Kingdom Community by visiting kingdomcommunity.global. Go head over there and check it out. If we're interested in being part of a great spiritual family and how we connect with one another, we have people from all over the world that are part of the Kingdom Community. Once a month, we do training and equipping online for free. We have an international team of leaders. And tonight, two of the great men of God that serve so faithfully, serve the Lord faithfully and his people, not only in their own ministries respectively, but also in the kingdom community are here with us. So I'm going to introduce them um, and and just let them share briefly about themselves. And then we're going to bring on our other guests as well. So first of all, all the way from Chicago is my good friend, Pastor Arthur Geis. Welcome, sir. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm bringing on Pastor Kevin, and he's going to share as well. Well, thank you, Glenn, for the invitation. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be here tonight. Uh, my name, as you said, is Arthur Geis. I pastor the Spirit of Liberty in Markham, Illinois. 
I've been pastoring there for the past, oh my goodness, 23 years now. Wow. Isn't that something? It's, Hard to believe. Yeah. yeah something else. Um, and, and anyway, um, I, not only that, I did uh, previously work for uh, the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, and I got delivered in 2015. I got to retire. So uh, I was able to uh, concentrate my efforts in doing ministry. I'm also serving uh, uh, with the Church of God uh, denomination. I am an ordained bishop, and I serve on the state council for the uh, Great Lakes region here in uh, Illinois and Wisconsin. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you and welcome. Hey, Pastor Kevin Forlong, a good friend all the way from Australia. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Glenn. Yeah, look, we pastored uh, a church in Auckland, New Zealand. We're actually from New Zealand originally. We pastored in Auckland there for a number of years. And then also in, uh, in Melbourne, Australia, we were pastoring there for a number of years. So we pastored totally for uh, just on 24 years. And we've been in itinerant ministry, uh, spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia, various countries there and uh, various other parts of the world for another 24 or so years. And uh, so here we are living on the sunny coast, as we call it. And um, just uh, obviously the last couple of years with uh, COVID and that a lot of the uh, ministry has been online and we connect with churches in various parts of the world in, in relation to that. So thank you for inviting me here um pastor glenn really and appreciate the opportunity thank oh, you yeah and we appreciate you being with us i know you have so much to contribute so i'm going to bring on our guests we actually have some millennials here and uh, i'm so excited to hear from these guys so first of all let's hear we got rowdy vasquez from uh, texas the great country and nation of texas that's where i live as well <laughs> And uh, then we've got Emmanuel Brown from the New York City area, Nicole Whalen from Kentucky, and DeAndre. Wow, where'd you go, DeAndre? I can't see you. He's disappeared. <laughs> I hope we can get you. Oh, there he is. Awesome. There we go. Good, good, good. Good to have you guys. So let's start with Rowdy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, you're muted, man. You're muted, me. There you go. There you go. There we go. Awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah, like you said, we're in Texas, so we know everything's better in Texas. Right. So uh, happy to be in this state. <laughs> but no, we uh, sure do appreciate um, you being able to um, uh, host this and, uh, you know, so honored to be here, to be in a part, being able to speak for a bit. But yeah, like you said, my name is Rowdy Vasquez. I also live in Texas. Uh, I've been, you know, traveling minister for a few years, been international over to Malaysia, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, um, a few other trips, you know, possibly planned for next year. Um, but it's pretty simple. I'll kind of start my own business and, um, you know, looking to be married soon. So that's about it for me. Congratulations. Wow. Awesome. Welcome. So, Nicole, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Again, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, you already said I'm from Kentucky. Um, Talking with the Lord all my life, um, but just recently he's been pulling me into more of a full-time ministry. Um, I went through ministry school, but I really wanted the hands-on and on the ground getting in people's lives and winning souls. So that's what I'm all about. I'm part of a ministry called Awakening to Revival. Um, 
Global Ministry, and they're all in the comment thread right now. So hi, everyone. <laughs> yeah, you got lots of people shout, giving shout-outs to you, that's for sure. Right. And then, yeah, yeah, that's good. Awesome. And that's really good. That's positive. Thank you guys for doing that. And somebody said, as you can see, we value, you know, community or family. Yeah, absolutely. So good. So we got also... Um, and this is the second time I've had uh, him on with us. And actually, the two remaining people will be the sec guys will be the second time. But let's start with Dre, DeAndre Singletary. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Pastor Glenn, for having me back on again. It is truly an honor, sir, and you give us a voice as millennials to speak. Uh, so, I, hey, everybody, I'm from Lexington. I'm currently in Lexington, Kentucky, originally from South Carolina, moved up here a few months ago from Tennessee, and I'm here. Um, I'm in this place right now where I feel like the Lord is beginning to lead me into more of a proactive time of ministry after having some time to really just seek, serve, be under, um, just really beginning to feel the drawing of the Lord. So uh, I do mentor, I do disciple, I have ministered before in places. Um, I have preached in a few states before in the nation but more than that i'm just grateful and honored to be a son uh, of the most high and to just take that passion to just take that fire everywhere i go that's awesome yeah great good and back for the second week in a row uh emmanuel brown and last weekend guys if you miss last weekend's discussion i'm um, sorry last thursday's discussion was part one of spiritual fathers yeah. Emmanuel was on the broadcast and he had such great, uh, you know, comments and insight. We appreciate what he had to say. Emmanuel, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, please. Yeah, it's good to be on with all of you guys. Uh, Pastor Geist, Pastor Furlong, nice to meet you guys. It's, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, so I'm from the New York City area. I'm really growing in, in my sonship in the Lord. I uh, have uh, a really steep passion for uh, this next generation of believers, this, this part of the remnant, the ecclesia uh, that the Lord has called out, uh, activating them in the things of the kingdom. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, and I'm serving in, in a few ministries, also active in ministry, uh, preaching and, and teaching the word of God in various places, um, but really just a servant at heart. Um, but excited to have the conversation tonight. Looking forward to having a few more voices on and, and continuing to bridge the gap, generational gap, and kind of just do kingdom. So excited. Yeah. Well, we, we really are um, honored to have you guys on. And, and I want to just say this because we realize that we need to do whatever we can to give you guys you know some platform because you have you have a lot to say that is important to the body of christ so we appreciate that uh, let's just start tonight with reading from scripture paul says in first corinthians four fifteen, even if you had ten thousand guardians in christ another translation talks about instructors or teachers he says, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel, or I've begotten you through the gospel. So, you know, we see here right from the beginning that Paul refers to himself as a father, and he's not meaning a biological father. As far as we know, he was never married, didn't have any kids, but Paul is referring to himself as a spiritual father. And he mentions to the believers here in Corinth that, 
they had many instructors, but when it came to um, fathers, he was their father because he had begotten them through the gospel. Now, I think that's important that we understand that, that Paul was actually saying, you know, I am the one who preached the gospel to you. And as a result of me preaching the gospel to you, you believed. So it's very important that we make that distinction. There's a lot of people that say they're fathers. And, uh, and you know, we'll talk a little bit about the flip side as well. People that say they're kids, you know, my, I'm, my spiritual father is such and such. But, you know, there's responsibility, isn't there? And there, there's a place where you really need to ensure that you are doing what a father um, is supposed to do and, and, and really does do, a responsible father. But let's first of all just open up with the question, what is a spiritual father? What does he look like? And I'm going to start with Pastor Arthur Geis. What, give us your input. What is a spiritual father and and what are what does he do? What what is his his function in the body of Christ? Okay, to try to uh, <clears throat> be as succinct as possible, I kind of broke it down into three three aspects of how I would describe a spiritual father, and then I want to describe some aspects of fatherhood, and that would help me. And then I want to throw a monkey wrench in the whole discussion in a little bit, uh, Glenn, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the first thing is, is I think that. Uh, to be a spiritual father, that means that the person that you call your son or your daughter should be a person that you have personally had influence on helping them come into the kingdom of God. In the scripture that you mentioned, Paul said, I have begotten you through the gospel. So as a spiritual father, he was one that had influence. And it's amazing that the ones that he calls sons, you see how he calls Timothy his son, he calls Philemon uh, his son, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, and talking about his son Onesimus, you know, yeah. that was in prison with him that he won to the Lord. Even Titus, many uh, scholars believe that Paul was responsible for leading him to the Lord. So Paul would use those titles of calling people sons and daughters are those that were begotten through the gospel that he shared. Uh -huh. that's, that's the first thing that I, I would look at as, as a prerequisite. The other thing, a, a spiritual father must exhibit godly character. Okay. <clears throat> you know, Paul said, even in this verse, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, Be ye also followers of me as I also am of Christ. And in the verse, at the end of the verse that you mentioned, he says, I have begotten you through the gospel, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. So Paul is explaining to them is that I want you to follow my example. And the example that he gave them was a godly example. You know, uh, it, it, it's like as a parent, you know, we found out that it was not real successful for a parent to tell their kids, do as I say do, not as I do. You know, sitting up there with a cigarette in my mouth, <laughs> coughing and say, son, you better not ever smoke these things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we need to have uh, <laughs> exhibit godly character. I'm sorry, man. I'm just going to be real. Right. <laughs> and then the other thing I think is, is that the road of spiritual fatherhood is paved through relationship. Okay. These are people that you want to have a relationship with. You can't father somebody, you know, without having a relationship with them. 
Okay. And then I said the aspects of fatherhood are mentorship. Okay. One of the greatest examples in the Bible. I wish I had time, but I always love the story of John Mark, how he mm. and Barnabas broke up their affiliation because John Mark left the uh, expedition early and went back to his mama's house. And when they wanted to go out again, uh, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark and Paul was like, he can't go. And the Bible said the contention was so sharp that they parted. And then when Paul was facing his death under uh, Nero's uh, chopping block, at the most dangerous time to be a Christian, Paul said, send for me John Mark, for he's profitable for me for the ministry. Isn't that amazing? It's because Barnabas and Peter mentored that young man. So I think that uh, mentorship is important. Guidance is important. Uh, a spiritual and prayer covering is necessary. And then you also need to provide accountability to the people that you call your sons or your daughters. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Awesome. Pastor mm -hmm. Kevin Forlong, I'd love to hear from you. What is a spiritual father? <laughs> Many instructors, but Paul said, you know, I'm your only father. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was really good, uh, Pastor Arthur. That was excellent. Uh, and, um, Absolutely. You know, I think it's a, about legacy and inheritance. If I can just, oh, uh, yeah. you know, add to what Pastor Arthur was saying and about empowering, inspiring, enabling those that you are, uh, are your sons and daughters, enabling them to fully apprehend their inheritance in God. And uh, so it's not about having a son or daughter that's there to serve your vision, help you build your church. It's not about that. It's a kingdom perspective of releasing them into the fullness of what God intends for them. I think one of the best examples of what that looks like is actually where Paul writes in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5 through to 11. There's quite a passage there. And he talks about uh, just his concern for people, the way that he was uh, not wanting to take from them, uh, but he was wanting to invest into them. He wasn't looking for a glory from men. Uh, he, he wasn't making demands of them, but he was warning them. He wasn't controlling or manipulative. He's not dictatorial. I think sometimes when we talk about spiritual fathers, we are so used to an organizational model, a hierarchical structure. And, uh, you know, the, in, in many of those sort of situations, denominations, what have you, there are people that are above you, can I say, in a hierarchical sense, but they can never father you because there's no relationship. There's no heart connection. I don't think a person can decide to be a father. I think God has to make them a father. There has to be a sense of revelation and purpose in that. And it comes out of the uh, intimacy of your relationship with the Lord where God puts you in that kind of situation. But I love this passage in, in 1 Thessalonians 2 because it deals with a lot of the um, uh, stuff that we see happening in church life that is very can be very controlling. And he talks about his heart as a father that's 
just amazing if you if you read through that let me just run through i jotted down a few points here out of that passage but you know it says he was gentle towards them he cherished them he longed for them affectionately he didn't only give them the gospel but he gave them his own life uh, they were dear to him he exhorted comforted charged or warned them as a father does his children you know he just talks about that and you know a true father in the natural wants to see their children go beyond where they can go. So, so I believe that every generation should stand on the shoulders of the previous generation. And so it in, involves the investment of revelation and wisdom and the things that uh, uh, it's not just teaching people how to preach or how to lead or how to, you know, or organizationally. It's about imparting the heart of God and empowering people. I, I see so much these days uh, over maybe the last 20 years in particular, where there's been such a big focus on, uh, you know, church growth and leadership and serving the vision of the house, which can be very uh, restrictive on the emergence of, of the next generation and on, on what they're, rather than releasing them to what they're called to do, it's about using them to build what I'm trying to build. And I think a true father is just the opposite of that, you know. And so, uh, yeah, that's about where I come from with it. And just going back, um, Pastor Glenn, to what you were saying before about um, sons and, and daughters uh, not being able to position themselves to embrace that. And I certainly have seen a lot of that. And I think, uh, you know, where people connect with you they'll call you a spiritual father but they don't know how to position themselves in relation to that and i think a lot of that comes out of what i was mentioning before about what we have become used to in a hierarchical structure and denominational organizational kind of structures that have been very controlling and 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 very uh you know dictating what should happen uh, rather than allowing people to emerge into the fullness of what God has for them. And I think that causes people to stand back and say, well, I've had experiences of that. I've seen others and it doesn't push my button. You know, it doesn't, I, there's got to be that heart connection, you know? And uh, so, yeah, let me hand it back to you, Pastor Glenn, but thank you. Awesome. Yeah, no, very good. Thank you. Great insight. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. All right. Hey, Dre, let's hear from you. What does a spiritual father look like to you? What, what do you, uh, you know, just conceive in, in your perception or your conception is, is what a spiritual father is and what's that look like to you? Awesome. Well, I have to agree with Pastor Kevin. I mean, he actually took the word out of my mouth. It's legacy inheritance because the thing about the father is there, you know, you always, you're not trying to get them to a son or a daughter to conform to what you want them to be, but you're helping them to step into who they're called to be. And that's the difference. I think sometimes that's a mistake uh, many people have made in trying to build sons and daughters is that they try to make them what they want them to be instead of allowing them to actually grow into uh, their God called um, individuality. And so with that, 
I love something that Bishop Bill Hammond says, who's a father of the modern day prophetic movement. He says, we are to reproduce reproducers that reproduce reproducers. And so when you even look at that, and even what the word discipler means, discipleship, it means to look like your teacher. Your father is your teacher, and he is to reproduce what God has did in his, inside of his life into yours. But the thing is, not only is it reproduced, it's able to show itself within the manner of that own person's individuality. And so I think it's important that we encourage people to get under fathers and mothers, to learn from them, to okay. grow, grasp that, uh, what they need to learn, but also to be confident in who God's created to them, to be in submission to them and to the word of God. Awesome. All right. Hey, let's hear from Nicole. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's someone God, it's, it's a God ordained connection. It's not just, you know, like Kevin said, picking somebody you follow on, on YouTube, but it's a God ordained connection. It's someone um, that God places in your life to help bring us up into spiritual maturation and who can, you know, they can perceive because they're given prophetic insight about our, our giftings and our Mm. raise you up into that um like you said um in, into the fullness of what you're called to do specifically right yeah that very good yeah prophetic insight that's an important part is discerning yeah. yeah i'll make a comment about that um one of the things you know guys living in western a western nation which is very much um uh, really puts a high value on individualism. Um, one of the things that, that I've learned traveling around the world and being in other cultures, you know, for example, in some Asian cultures, uh, there's in Singapore, even there's really, you just can't say, Hey, when I grow up, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be this or that. There's some times where you actually, are, are told, oh no, this is what you're going to be. Your family's telling you what you're going to be. Or sometimes even the government is saying, well, we don't need any more, you know, um, dentists or something, right? <laughs> and so you need to do that. And so there is this sense in which when we recognize that God has called us to, to be his son, his daughter, first and foremost, that ultimately we're under his lordship and we need to submit to his purpose and plan. But if we really have spiritual uh, prophetic insight as a mm. father, I believe that there's going to be perhaps even a point and it can cause friction and contention even where we might say to someone, Hey, you know what? I'm really not sure if that's what God's called you to do or yeah. to do. Um, Emmanuel, let's talk about spiritual fathers. And would you just comment also on, on my statement, what I just stated, please? Yeah, awesome. Um, so I, I love the thoughts that have been going around so far. And, and I'm thinking about just, you know, three, three I words that kind of sum up what everyone has said. And, and I think the concept of a father begetting children is uh, all done in intimacy, right? That, that process of conception, that process of beginning children is all intimate. So that relationship is based in intimacy and there has to be uh, intimate access between a father and their children. 
right? I think uh, Pastor Kevin, he mentioned inheritance, uh, definitely a role of the father. And another one that I've been thinking of is identity, right? Uh, that's where we receive uh, our identity from. And as I just think through the scripture, right, I think about uh, Samuel when he first hears from, from the Lord and he, he thinks it's his father, Eli's voice, right? Um, and that first voice in our life usually comes from our father, uh, and the importance uh, with the fathers of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of blessing their children and laying on the hands of their children, there was something special about leaving and receiving that inheritance as a child. And when we think about the concept of like laying on of hands, um, some, like, one particular scripture came to mind, and it's probably one that people have used a lot across the pandemic, but Second Timothy 1 and 7, right? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love of a sound mind. But the thing is, most people don't know the verse that comes before that, which is very important to put it in context. And the verse that Paul says to Timothy is, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the laying on of my hand. So that, so that, that God not giving us a spirit of fear, there's this sense of uh, protection and safety that comes from your father. Right. And I think when you think about the relationship that should be between a spiritual child and their father, there has to be that concept of safety and protection that there, that's there, that, that trust um, where a son or a daughter can go freely to their spiritual father or to their spiritual mother in some cases. And there is transparency, there's vulnerability, which ultimately helps to uh, catapult and effectuate growth and maturation, like Nicole said, in their walk with the Lord. Right. Uh, and. Paul making that statement to Timothy was solely based on the fact that he said, look, stir up the gifts that came into you, the inheritance, the impartation that I gave by the laying on of my hands, and God has not given you the spirit of fear. So I think that is, um, you know, a big concept I just want to throw into the conversation because a spiritual parent should also provide that identity, that security, and that protection uh, where there's vulnerability, where you can grow up into Christ. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah awesome. Um, hey, Rowdy, let's hear from you. Spiritual fathers. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if this cuts out, I do apologize. But a lot of the stuff that's been covered tonight is actually pretty good. I feel like to me, a true father is someone that is beyond just being a, a pastor per se, where you see him once on Sunday morning. This is a continual pouring in. Uh, this is like a a person that comes underneath uh, a, a particular uh, father and that particular father begins to uh, elaborate things that he had learned throughout the years of his wisdom and things that he's went through in the kingdom. I feel like we see scripture uh, through and through about this whole concept. Maybe Timothy may have not even reached his full potential had not Paul prophetically saw what was in him and used that to pull the gold out um i feel like joshua is a prime example where god chose joshua because joshua watched the example of his mentor moses and how moses stayed in the glory and the bible says in uh exodus 33 verse 11 that when moses would go into the uh the, the tent of meeting and the glory would feel that he would go back after he heard what the lord said and Joshua would stay in the tent because he wanted to spend more time with God because he saw that example within Moses. And I feel like true fathers are the pure example. Uh, they also catch the concept that, as they say, one generation's 
ceiling is the next generation's floor. It's mm-hmm. you know it's it's um it's uh the concept of uh, um the um the monarch butterfly. I don't know if you uh, uh, a lot of people that know this. It took me a while to catch this. The monarch butterfly actually start. There are four generational uh, butterfly or bee. I'm sorry, bee that go from Canada all the way to Mexico, and it takes them four generations to get there. So they so they start and they go as far as they go and then and then they stop they have babies and then that generation picks up where they left off and they go further. I think prophetically that that's the concept of spiritual fathers and, and true disciples that the spiritual fathers go as far as they can go and they hand the baton off to the next generation and they say what you labored for I'll try to multiply that talent. They, the true fathers don't take the gifts and talents and dig them in the ground. They give it to a generation. They multiply the oil, and the true disciples take what, what the fathers give, and they say, I will take every bit that you give, and by the grace of God, I will multiply that oil, and I'll do the same. And, they'll, and they, from generation to generation, it's a continuous thing. And even like Dredge said, or, or Nicole said about the prophetic insight, Jesus, uh, even though spent just a few amount of years with his disciples, he saw something prophetically in them that they didn't even see in themselves. And he talked to them in ways that he knew that they weren't catching it at the moment, but knew that in some place of maturity, they would catch it. And so he mentored them. And then when that Pentecost moment happened, it's like they, re- it's like they realized everything he spoke about, we now catch it. So in a place, Jesus was the example of a great mentor. He mentored these kids who were under the age of all 20 years old and, and discipled them, and they became world changers. And by their, by their um, 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 uh, life, that, that multiplied through and through, and now here we are today. Um, and so I feel like that's what, my, what I would see as a true example of a church. Uh, not someone that that is, uh, like they say, trying to their own beliefs and doctrines inside of another but someone that is led of the spirit to teach the, the the true disciple that is willing i feel like to a degree there's some spiritual fathers that would take what they you know feel like is their maturity and use it in a sense of like um you know of hovering over and trying to conform and control i feel like that's 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 crazy boundaries i i don't want to con- condone any type of spiritual abuse when it comes to a father but i also don't want to condone a rebellious son who just claims that they know the spiritual father and that's my mentor but yet they're not open for rebuke or correction it's it's a mutual agreement upon a certain truth that we're gonna like the mentor is to pour into the disciple's life and the disciple is to is, is to hold that before God and, and pull every bit that God has for them through it. It's something that they're, they're, they're hungry enough to be corrected if need be, but hungry enough to stay in the pocket even when it gets tough. Because discipleship is never easy. And I feel like that true, true fathers catch the concept and they know. And so that's just my personal opinion upon what a spiritual father actually is. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah. Go go ahead, Pastor Arthur. I was just saying that example about the bee. I said, that dog a hunt. That was, that was a blessing. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, that was that was really good. Um, yeah. Let's talk about, let's just talk a little bit about the from the perspective of a father. 
What is it that you, I'm talking to Pastor Kevin, Pastor Arthur now, what is it that that causes you to stick with someone, you know, as a spiritual son or daughter um, in in terms of, of your investment and the time and everything that you, you pour into them? Let's start with Pastor Arthur there. Um, I don't know, Glenn. I, I think that that almost would be like asking a parent, uh, even though their children may not be uh, developing at the rate that they may want them to, uh, but the parent still has hope that um, uh, the potential that's there can be nurtured to make them productive as they possibly can be. I think that uh, you have to have a, a, a love for what you do and a love for the people that you serve. And then you have to also have an understanding that you are serving the Lord by serving them as well. Uh, one of the greatest rebukes I ever got from the Lord is when I worked at a shelter one time and I looked at a young man that I felt was uh, living beneath his potential. And I repeated something about him that I heard somebody else say it. And when I said it out loud, the Lord rebuked me on the spot. I mean, a very stern rebuke. And he said that you watch how you speak about that person because that's one whom I died for. So as an under shepherd under the Lord Jesus Christ, I think that God communicates his heart and his love for his people to us so that it causes us to be willing to invest whatever is necessary to see these people develop into the uh uh, 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 disciples that God is calling them to. Yeah. Pastor Kevin. Yeah. Um, look, I think that with the father-son relationship, it's a covenant relationship. It's got to be something that there's a divine connection there. It's not just an organizational thing. And because of the intensity of the connection, you don't walk away easily. You don't quit. And, uh, and I do think what was mentioned earlier about having prophetic insight is a critical component in that because you're looking beyond where they're at now because the Lord's revealing something to you about uh, his intentions for their life and, uh, and the purpose of that. You know, one of the things I think uh, is that fatherhood is a legitimate biblical uh, principle expression that was almost lost to the church because of the loss of apostolic order. And I think that, you know, part of the mantle, uh, uh, apostolic mantle, is automatically part of that is fatherhood and uh, the embracing of that and walking the journey. And, uh, you know, Pastor Arthur mentioned before about John Mark and somebody had to do the journey with him and, uh, you know, not quit. And uh, I think that's, uh, that, to me, it's about the heart connection. And, and, and actually, my wife and I uh, had an adopted son. And, uh, you know, when I look at Paul and Timothy, Timothy was of faith when, uh, when Paul first met him. He adopted him and then he became his son. And so I think that, um, you know, even in those kind of circumstances, there is a love connection. And, uh, you know, that was really brought home to us uh, it, just in the natural when we had our own adopted son. But, uh, but I think that's, uh, it's that, that heart connection. And, and let me just mention something, because in the days that we adopted Steve, 
uh, it was the days before abortion became, uh, you know, so so widespread. And in New Zealand in those days, it was actually early. It was actually easy to adopt children. And when we went to adopt Steve, when we went to meet him, he was 12 days old. And, uh, you know, they, they hand you this baby and say, do you want this one or do you want that one? Do you want this? You know, and you pick up a little baby and you look at him and you kind of go, how can I ever give him away? How can I ever? They're saying, do you want him or do you want to have a look at another one? You know, it's kind of like crazy because there's an instant connection. And I think that that's the intensity that God intends us to have in father-son relationship where there's a connection. You're not going to walk away, you know. It does cover time when you have to see response and there has to be development. Uh, otherwise, you might back off for a while or whatever. And, you know, they go through seasons. Everybody goes through seasons. And uh, people are not growing in wintertime, so you've got to hang around and wait till spring comes, you know, that kind of thing. Go ahead. I just I, I really want to ask this real quick question, if I could. Uh, based on what DeAndre said earlier, and I just want to put that out uh, for your uh, uh, critique, I think that the church has a, a, a propensity for uh, overcorrecting or going too far on either side of, of an extreme and not staying centered. And although we need uh, 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 to have spiritual fathers, and that's an exact uh, truth, uh, what what is the process as far as discipleship, as as what DeAndre was talking about? That perfection is when a a servant becomes like his master. Right. Is the process of discipleship a fathering type of responsibility? And if we could shift our thinking, yeah, that we all, on some level, have responsibility of begetting somebody in the gospel and then staying with them and pouring into them because the Bible says our great commission was to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you to do. Mm -hmm. So if we would teach others what we have been commanded to do and then they would teach others what they were commanded to do, we would see a multiplication of the gospel's influence in the lives of people that would be extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I personally have observed throughout the years, even pastors that they're like, well, he's not doing this. She's not doing that. And, you know, I remember when I was in a role and I, I was involved in um, overseeing a lot of churches and and I was working with emerging leaders. We were training them and equipping them and they would go out, many of them and plant churches we would try to connect them if they didn't have a, a father, so to speak, you know, we would at least try to connect them with someone who can give them some oversight and, and speak into their lives. Uh, someone in ministry, a pastor, ideally. And, you know, sometimes the pastors would say things like, well, I think they need to do that. And it was clearly just opinion. It was just their preference. And but I, I would also say as a father in the natural of three children, three adult children now, I, I would say that that uh, there comes a point where you got to just leave them alone and let them, you know, find their way. And, and you just can't bail them out every time they get in trouble. And um, 
So, so that's part of it. And, you know, just kind of letting people um, kind of when they fall, we don't need to be there to, to look down on them, even to correct them necessarily. We just need to be there to help yeah. them, but not necessarily to enable them. So let's, let's listen, uh, DeAndre, why don't you give some input on this topic? How do we, how do we do that? You know, as a spiritual son, and as you get older, of course, you're going to be uh, a father in, 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 I'll say in the natural and uh, in spiritually as well. So that's, that's prophetic. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> God's got you there. You, you got it. You already know. You already know. But anyway, the point is, um, you know, what? Where, where's this fine line between correction and and just this unnecessary kind of lording it over and and just being, you know, too too uh, firm with with people or too strong. Wow. So good. So good question. First of all, if you know, I just want to say I really love what you did. Uh, Apostle Glenn with bringing that connection together because while some people are controlling and manipulative and take advantage uh, of making slaves instead of sons and daughters, you do have the other extreme where also where you don't want to bail them out every time because they clearly haven't learned their lesson yet. And, you know, I'm, I'm young, you know, I'm still in my mid-20s, but the Lord has already allowed me to step into a fathering role. It has already allowed me to begin to mentor okay. and into sons. And so, you know, I have relationship with them. And one of the key things I always tell them is, I'm not here to make you like me. But at the same time, I want you to understand if there are some things in my life that you see are working. And that you see, hey, I want that because I need that in my life. Then know that's something you want to draw from. And that's what I've also patterned myself to as a son. Because I have a covering in Tennessee, um, spiritual parents that have loved me uh, unconditionally. And when, I've been, when I was in places where I was being challenging, I had to figure things out or I was having certain struggles or battles. Now, I went up to them because I trusted them. And the thing that always kept me coming to them was... Was number one was their authenticity. Uh, they were very authentic, and not only did they uh, would correct me if I needed it, but they loved on me. They were they were full of grace. They were full of truth. You know, the scripture says Jesus came in truth and grace. And so, what I think what we need to do is learn to balance both and getting the heart of God, because a true father loves his sons and daughters, and he wants to see them thrive. He wants to see them. Uh, succeed. He wants to see them excel, but also he understands too. Sometimes we have, as sons and daughters, we have to be pushed. We have to be stretched, and it's only when we're stretched and uncomfortable that true growth can come. And I'm, to be honest, I'm in that place right now. I'm in the season uh, where I'm experiencing that right now, where uh, I've had to be stretched. But I also understand that being stretched is also what enables you to be an effective father and enables you to not just be in a power instructor or teacher like Paul said um, but it also enables you to live by example that those that you're meant to father will want to follow and so as you continue to lead by example they'll follow and like you said if they continue to mess up if they continue uh, to repeat it seems like the same issues uh, there will come a time where you have to be like okay um, I love you and I'm going to still be here for you, but 
you have to learn this. And until you learn this, you can't move on to the next phase. And this is not me punishing you or anything. This is actually my love because I want to see you succeed and become everything you're meant to be. So that once you get to a higher level in ministry or whatever that may look like for you, that the fall won't be hard and that there's grace to keep you about, to keep you held up. Yeah, okay, so let's hear from one of the other millennials here, guys. Let's just keep keep this going. Yeah, I'd love to comment on that. Um, I love what you said, Glenn, um, and how you tied that in, Dre, about um, just that balance between not, not a spiritual parent not being um, controlling or, eat, like, in the natural, it looks like overbearing or pushy about telling a kid when they're doing right or wrong or when you see them going down the wrong path, you can, um, you know, there's a way to balance that and make it more of a suggestion. I had a situation recently with my spiritual parents where they saw me, you know, making a decision. They um, had, you know, a check in their spirit about, and instead of saying no or trying to control the situation, they guided me with grace and gave me godly wisdom and guidance and let me make a decision on my own. Um, so I think that that mm. is always a good sign of, are my spiritual parents, do they have my best interest in heart? Are they, do they trust my discernment and do they have, you know, are they looking out for me in the sense that um, they want God's best and not to control and manipulate situations? Mm, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and and you know that's awesome to hear about your your spiritual parents and how they relate to you that way. That's really good. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's hear from Emmanuel. Yeah, um, I think it's important that. Um, a characteristic of, of, of a spiritual father or parent is that they are content uh, with who the Lord has called them to be um, and their position in, in Christ and in the kingdom. Um, I see sometimes uh, just in, in experiences that I've been around when a spiritual parent um, has a void maybe for what they've accomplished in ministry uh, or something like that, they can have this kind of over overbearing spirit, this nice controlling spirit, uh, because they feel like their spiritual children or their sons and daughters are, are they're kind of enjoying and gives them affirmation and kind of confirmation of who they are. So I think that's it. That's an important characteristic. But when it comes to uh, kind of uh, rebuke and, and, and versus control, I, I just think about the scripture that talks about, you know, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to their salvation. Um, so I think when a spiritual parent uh, corrects you, it should be from a place that produces some type of fruit of righteousness, right? Not to keep you in a box, not to keep you in a place, not to condemn you or, or to necessarily judge you, but to produce something in you uh, through that, right? And I think about the Holy Spirit as he is very much a father. He's literally Jesus' father. I think a lot of times we don't recognize the Holy Spirit as father, but um, even in John 17, as it's talking about, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, right? It says that the Holy Spirit uh, is going to judge the world of sin. He's going to judge you of, of, of righteousness, right? He's going to convict you, in, in other words, uh, like it says, unto righteousness. Um, and conviction unto righteousness is something that's different than a rebuke that tries to control you. 
So I think the rebuke should be something that drives and pushes you onto more righteousness. It helps you to uh, kind of add context to, to where you are, but ultimately it should be driven from a place of love, right? I think anything that we do biblically needs to be at a place of love, um, esteeming others more highly than we esteem ourselves. And I think specifically uh, for a parent, um, like you said, Glenn, understanding where their, their child is or having the ability to discern where they are in this uh, growth process and this maturation process is important, right? Um, when your spiritual child is a little bit more mature, you might not have to say as much to them. Uh, when they're younger, a child, you might have to give them some more direction. Uh, I think when, with my own natural father, if I go to his house and to visit him, there are certain things as an adult he just doesn't have to tell me anymore. Right? But I have a respect and an honor for him as my father and also as an adult. Maybe in my teenage years, I didn't uh, have or respect in the same way. But now that I'm mature, I understand the positioning differently. I understand that there are certain things I would not say or would not do because I'm at a different place of maturity. So I think when it comes to rebuke, being able to discern where your spiritual child is in their maturation process is very important because then that determines how you handle them and how you deal with them. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff there. Hey, Rowdy, let's hear from you. Hopefully we can get you there. Okay. Oh. oh, I'm not sure we can't hear you, man. All right. Let's keep. All right. Well, let's, well, let's, uh, let's just, while Rowdy's trying to get reconnected here, um, let's, let's just talk about that, you know, in, in the natural, when we're talking about a father, a mother, we're talking about parents. Like one of the comments earlier, I really love this comment that someone said, uh, Matthew says this, he said, there's going to be a revival of spiritual parenting and discipleship on a mass scale in the very near future. It is coming to pass. Absolutely. And I just want to say, guys, like I, I mentioned this last week, when I came to know the Lord and I was in like 20 years old, there was virtually no mentoring going on. Uh, and let alone spiritual parents. I mean, you would go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, maybe. <laughs> but that was that was it. There was like you couldn't get close to anyone spiritually. Um, occasionally, you would say, "Well, this person would maybe want to connect with you and go for coffee," type of thing. But it really wasn't anything. So we have now in the twenty first century, we have moved like forward so much things have changed incredibly and what you guys um are experiencing right now and what you're able to give out and pass on to others is like this is really is accelerated so much yeah. just getting you to that place um it's kind of like you know i'm a guitar player so it's kind of like when i learned how to play guitar I had to learn from someone. I took guitar lessons. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and I actually had to, you know, figure out how to do things. And there wasn't YouTube. There weren't. There wasn't tutorials or anything like that. And now, with everything that's available, it's just again just streamlined everything, made it so much more efficient. And so we're in a place where we definitely have have stepped into something powerful. And we have to have spiritual sons and daughters 
Uh, but we need parents as well. So yeah. let's just hear for a couple of people. I think, Pastor Kevin, you got something you want to share there. Let's hear from you. <laughs> I um, was just thinking about what you were saying. And uh, last week on your uh, on this subject, uh, I think it was Dr. John Burpee made the comment that he said, I know what I didn't have. And um, I think it's so true. Like when we first got saved and we got you know committed to Christ very young in life my dad died when I was four years old so I kind of grew up without a, a father figure in that true sense and then when we came into ministry uh, there just wasn't that kind of thing around a lot of people talking about spiritual fathers but there was just no real understanding of it it was very much around the area of what we might call or what they did call disciple making but that was always about uh the fruit of your labor you know labor produces fruit produces result maybe produce harvest but uh fatherhood produces inheritance and uh it's a different thing it's not what you labor for it's what's imparted to you what's given for you and and how that's invested and you it's 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 really the picture of family isn't it the, the family uh i guess the the intention of the family is that the family name would continue the inheritance would go on the legacy would be developed from generation to generation and i think that's the uh you know that and for me uh, like Don, uh, Dr. John, John said, you know, I know what I didn't have and I know what I didn't have. And so, you know, you want to kind of try and uh, bridge that for other people. And uh, this is such an important discussion. Uh, and I do think that so much of the body of Christ is still stuck in their mindsets in organizational structures that actually stop real fathering, uh, real parenthood functioning because it's so much about performance and about you know the objectives of of the the organization the denomination whatever it may be so i think this is such a critical conversation to be having yeah, yeah. awesome so so good uh pastor kevin yeah look uh let me just hear from a couple more of, of the uh millennials here rowdy we're going to try to hear from you hopefully your connection stable enough um, it's a bummer, but hopefully we can hear from you. When it comes to spiritual um, connection with, with the spiritual father, and we're not just talking about men here. We're talking about parents as well, even mm -hmm. though we're specifically using the word father. So so what, what does that look like to you in terms of the outcome of that? Like if you've been connected with someone, um, what does that look like? Yeah, we missed him. All right. Dre, let's hear from you. Well, I, I love once again what Pastor Kevin said because, you know, it is important what Dr. John Burpee, what he said, you know, I know what I didn't have. And I am one of the statistics of many that grew up in this nation that grew up without a father. So there was a real need there in my life. There was a real lack. And that's one of the things the Lord taught me about, uh, about fathers is, Fathers help pick. Fathers help you develop where there's lack in your life. 
they help you with skill set. So I mean, not even just talk about the spiritual things. They can even be very helpful in natural development, uh, and character development. Um, just, you know, no. how to use tools, things like that, simple things that can carry you far in life. And so when you see that, you have a real appreciation for a father and a mother um, that steps in into your life. And this and just the whole the root of it all is love. The root of it all is love because they do what they do because not only because of the mandate, not because of the call, but they truly love those that they're investing in and they're passionate about it. And I think what God has just done in this last year or so, in these last few years, is not only as he, like Paul says, we have many instructors and not enough fathers. Not only has he called those to step up to be fathers and mothers to a generation, like my generation and Gen Z and all that behind, but he's also allowing those same people to empower the next generation to also step into that role. Um, Apostle and someone that you know, as well as I know, uh, Tim Groves, one thing Tim told me is he, he said, you know, he's a mentor, but he's also like a father to me as well. I love Tim. And uh, he said, you know, he says, as I'm doing these things in your life, he says, also begin to do these things in someone else's life. As you're growing, you grow as well, and you help them grow, and it's just a system that God will continue to multiply. Yeah, so good. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, Nicole, you want to comment? I'm having audio issues on my end. I can't understand what you're saying, but I think you called on me. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did. I said, would you like to respond to what Dre said or to continue on what he said. I'm hoping it, was, it started breaking up when uh, he started talking. So, but I heard what you said at the end and kind of what you were touching on and just kind of like piggybacking off of what Kevin mentioned um, a bit ago. I also grew up in a church environment where um, just the concept of spiritual mothers or fathers just wasn't a thing and I didn't understand it. So, um, as I was like being called and the Lord was calling me deeper with him um, as a young adult, I still really never knew how to advance within the kingdom. And I just wanted to touch on just the significance and the impact that um, God creating that connection with spiritual parents um, brings to um, believers because it wasn't until then, until that connection was established that it really transitioned me from wandering really and just sitting in a pew in church to propelling me into my destiny and my calling and putting that into action. So I just wanted to throw that in there and just show how significant that can be because I'm sure just like me, a lot of people are sitting in church wondering what's the next step and how do I get there? Is it just me and my pastor every Sunday or where do I go from here? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Emmanuel. Listen, I would. I want you to just kind of close us out with a final comment here. But um, I want I want you to obviously share from your heart. But would you also speak into what is it that millennials and then you know someone made a comment about Gen Z is going to be the most powerful um, generation in terms of influence on the earth, and and I believe that. Um, if they, if we get a hold of them and we do what we should do to help mentor and, and equip them, that will come to pass. And there will be, obviously, those who will do that and are doing that. But um, let's just speak into that. What is it that that your guys, your generation, younger 
really looking for. Nicole, you hit the nail on the head because it's just sitting in a pew. I mean, man, that was going on for years and years where you just show up and and COVID, I think, has really just caused us to to realize. One statistic said that 50 percent of millennials have dropped out of going to church during during COVID. And and so let, let's just talk into that. What what is it going to take to really connect uh, in a spiritual level? Uh, not just to entertain. I'm not talking about that. Uh, Emmanuel, would you just speak into that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, before I comment on that, on that, I think one common thread that I've kind of heard from, you know, uh, your generation and, and uh, even Dr. Burby last week, is, and even to, to Nicole's comment, is this void of, of, of fathering, right? And the Bible says that when mo mother and father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. Uh, and I think uh, in generations prior, even in this generation, there have been people who have been called to father, to parent, and they haven't stepped into that role. And those who have had a desire for sonship, uh, the Lord has taken them up and groomed them into fathers, right? Like you guys are, as an example, and, and as a result, but the Lord fathering you, now you can father others who have a desire for sonship that will then grow into fathers. Um, but I really think, and I'll give a quick example from my own life in terms of what I think this, this generation needs, right? One day I'm, I'm in the mall. I actually lived with my spiritual father for three years. The Lord said it up and like this thing that we orchestrated, I had nowhere to go and he opened up his doors to me. And uh, something that Nicole said in the beginning that's so important uh, is that these relationships are Holy Spirit ordained. And I think that's something that we should be very cognizant of with this void of fathering and mothering is that it's not something that we should go out looking for and seeking for, but we should allow for the Holy Spirit to orchestrate it and bring it together. I think when fathers go out, they start looking for sons, even with good intentions, that intention is warped. Same thing with children. When you go out and start seeking fathering and mothering, if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, you can fill your own good intentions with something that God never intended. So I think that's very important. But I was living with my spiritual father, and we're in the mall one Sunday morning before service. We were just picking up like a shirt or some socks or something for his son. And, uh, you know, when you're in the mall and they have all those little kiosks, and they, there was this one kiosk where we walked past, and this, um, um, this young lady who was working at the kiosk grabbed his hand and tried to sell him, like, some lotion by putting some lotion on his hand. And when uh, she grabbed his hand, he, he held on to his hand. He started talking with her. And he started ministering to her. This is the first time I've ever seen the supernatural happen outside the four walls of the church in, time, in terms of like the fellowship and congregation. And he asked if she wants to be introduced to the Holy Spirit. And she said yes. And he called on the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, to come. And the Holy Spirit manifested himself. And we all three of us, this girl was an unbeliever, felt the presence of the Holy Spirit manifest and stand right next to us. And she said, wow, I felt that. I want to receive Jesus, even before we, he mentioned Jesus' name. Right? And that was the first example of the supernatural that I saw. And I patterned and shaped my life in terms of how I approach God, my boldness in evangelism after that example, right? And in the birthing, uh, beginning process that a father does with their children, there's a shaping that happens there, right? As you birth 
your children into their purpose, you shape them into that destiny. And that shaped my view. And one thing that I think that's really needed is that connectivity in that relationship outside of the four walls of the building that we call church. Right? I never saw, prior to that experience, ministry demonstrated outside of church until my father. I was with my father. And that says a lot. And I think a lot of people that are sitting in pews nowadays, they never have that example of righteousness, of godliness, of faith outside of what their preacher preaches to them on Sunday and maybe a Thursday night Bible study. And then they have to bring that back and figure out how to apply it all to their life. And that's not the pattern that Jesus showed us. Right. Jesus spent intimate time with the boys, with the disciples. He spent he gave them access to him. He gave them insight and revelation that he didn't give to others. In First Peter chapter two, it says Jesus being ex- our example, let us walk as he walked. He set the footprint for them that they can walk in. He not only showed them how to do it, but he guided them through it. And he brought them to the place where he said, now you guys can go do greater works in my name. I'm going to give you the same authority and empowerment that the Father gave me. I'm going to give to you. And that's really the pattern, in my opinion, of a spiritual father and what they do to their sons. They shape them into their destiny and then they give them empowerment to do greater works. Yeah. Very good. Very, yeah. And good, good, good insight and comments. Thank you. And, you know, I just want to mention that, honestly, we we have this um, aversion today toward someone saying something like, well, you know, God has raised me up to, um, to raise you up. And, and we're kind of like, no, you know, I just follow Jesus. Like, don't. And, and I get that to a certain degree, you know, I had someone contact me out of the blue on Facebook one day and I've never met this person and we've never even talked. And they just like, well, God told me I'm supposed to mentor you. And I'm like, what? I mean, I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And it wasn't, yeah, I'm open. Listen to me. If there's someone who contacted me and I was like, okay, this is God and this, but it was just bizarre. It was weird. You know, it was, it was like, yeah, it was creepy. So, um, but, but let's, let's just mention what Paul said. Remember in first Corinthians 11, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ, right? The Greek word literally means mimic mimic me like come on now mimic me you know you have your kids mimic you right they imitate they pretend to be dead whatever but he says again in first corinthians 4 16 and 17 this is the new king james version he says therefore i urge you imitate me Hmm. wow now a lot of people remember we said that imitate me people are like what? No, I follow Jesus. I'm not imitating you. You got flaws. You got issues. Whatever. Um, for this reason, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So when you saw Timothy, Paul saying, you know, that's a chip. He's a chip off the old block. He's he's literally. You see Paul. Now, Jesus said when we follow him, you know, we will become like him. When people see us, they should see Jesus. But there is a sense in which our spiritual sons and daughters, those who we really poured into, we have so impacted their lives by our example and and who we are that we can say. Now, again, nobody's perfect. We get that. But we should be able to say 
you know what? I want you to follow me. And, and if we cannot say that because we're, you know, you don't want to make a photocopy of a photocopy and then you make another photocopy of a photocopy and it becomes more diluted and the quality diminishes significantly. But when we're close enough to Jesus, I know we may not be the original, but we're close because of our consecration and our yieldedness to God. Then we can say to people to follow me and the outcome will be Christ likeness. And as, as in us, and I love in the book of Acts, and this is something I teach on often when I talk about discipleship, you see in the second chapter that there were multitudes that were added. Then it talks about daily the Lord added to the church. And then the fifth chapter says multitudes were added. But then in the sixth chapter, there's a shift. The language changes. There's mention of disciples being multiplied, from believers being added to disciples being multiplied. And when you look at multiplication, like 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says to Timothy, you know, what I've taught you, you entrust a faithful man who will teach others and so on. And this is multiplication, and we're seeing this in this generation. God is doing things. There's some incredible, I'm just picking this up, there's some incredible things going on. Uh, with with healthy spiritual parenting and and that's good and that's good but ultimately we have to look at the outcome like when you follow paul and and you study his relationship with timothy it goes from timothy basically following paul you know even serving paul and and then ends up he talks about him being his son you know, after in the beginning, he's a servant. And then he refers to him as a son. Then he talks about him being a fellow sufferer. He says he's, you know, he talks about that. And, and then, and then at the end, he talks about, he is no one like Timothy. There's no one. He said, mm -hmm. and each, everyone seeks their own good, but not Timothy. And, and how Timothy ends up becoming such a significant leader, even in the church in Ephesus, when Paul's writing him at the end of his life. Yeah. So, this is this is the goal. We're in a day in a right now where we desperately need to raise up the next generation. And and I know for me, one of the things the Lord spoke to me about recently was stepping into the anointing. And and I loved what Emmanuel said about the Lord taking us up, if father and mother forsake us, because that's exactly what I went through. I had a father. My father has passed away now, but my father was absent from the home and emotionally um, disconnected physically. So what happened, though, in my relationship with the Lord, I spent so much time in prayer and seeking God yeah. and hungering after the Lord that the Holy Spirit taught me. The Holy Spirit comforted me. You know, as you said, that revelation of God as father and becoming father and filling that void as well. That happened in my life. And I can say, you know, through that, because my wife and I, we talk about that. We both come from very dysfunctional homes and and we didn't really have good role models in, in parents. I mean, we it not necessarily abuse, but just, you know, so whatever. And, and so that's something that God has done. And the generation, sometimes it takes generations to get there, as, as Rowdy was mentioning earlier. Uh, but let's just encourage everybody. 
um, with, with the words you've heard tonight, we pray you're encouraged. We pray that you are blessed and you're also inspired to keep going, just to keep going and, and to become, you know, commit yourself to, to being a disciple of Christ, being a son and daughter. And if you don't have a spiritual relationship with a spiritual father, mother, begin to really look into that and, and pray about it, who the, the Lord would have you connect with. Uh, Pastor Arthur, love for you to just give a closing word on this, whatever closing comments on, on this uh, discussion tonight. I, I, it's very difficult to add anything to what uh, has been shared. It's been so rich. Uh, I don't think that I really articulated uh, my question as well as I could have, but I was just trying to get an understanding of um, can believers, not, not just pastors, but believers themselves take on the role of a spiritual father or mother through discipleship. Mm -hmm. and, and that's my challenge. Um, I, I think that uh, if, if we are to teach others to observe what God has commanded us, then I think that's a process that we need to be thinking through. I think that because there is something about me as a pastor right now, there are going to be limited relationships that I can have up close and personal. There are going to be very few people that I can have a, a real intense fatherly relationship with. I mean, it's it just, you don't have the time to do that. To point to, right. You know, a lot of people. But there is an overarching uh, type of uh, uh fatherhood that I could have over the congregation, but it would be great to have individuals that would take the gospel, influence people with the gospel, and what they have been trained through me, they would pour into those individuals, pray over those individuals, hold those individuals accountable, and that they, through discipleship, they could help share that burden of responsibility that they have. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what my comment on, you know, on the early church shifting from growth by addiction, which was basically by and large was, you know, Peter preaching, the apostles preaching and moving into the place where the the believers became disciples who made disciples. And and that's so important. And, you know, one of my friends, he's a great um, good friend. He pastors in in California, he commented on a post I made earlier today, and he basically said that, we're talking about discipleship, that the effectiveness in ministry is not seen in, you know, how large our gatherings are, but but the depth of our disciples. Yeah. And, and he talked about how disciples, they're not mass-produced, they're hand-picked. And, yeah. you know, you have to have that. Jesus, you cannot disciple a crowd. Yeah. You can... You can preach to a crowd, you can influence them, you can move them, you can challenge them. But in terms of actually discipling and especially fathering, um, you cannot do that with the crowd. Jesus yeah. Jesus didn't either. Pastor Kevin, you, you want to comment? <laughs> uh, look, I think um, in, in church life, so often we're making students and not disciples. And the the process of disciple making, I, I served an apprenticeship many years ago. And, you know, as an apprentice, you get um, assigned to a tradesman 
and you work together with them and they show you how it's done. They watch you do it and feedback. And that's the process of discipleship. But these days we tend to, uh, you know, create students. We stand up and teach and then expect people to go away and apply it. And um, it's uh, it, that's not the process of discipleship. It's taking people by the hand, it, which is a, another reason why, you know, um, just earlier on, I think it was Emmanuel uh, talked about um, the laying on of hands. And I, I, I think, you know, true fathering, true discipleship can't be done online or distant or whatever. I think there can be a measure in which relationship can be, you know, can function uh, over the internet or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's about personal contact. It'd be like, you know, with your own children, uh, there's that, there's impartation comes through being in people's presence and uh, walking together in life. And I think it's been a great discussion and I don't think there's anything else I could add, but just uh, appreciate being part of it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it has been a great discussion. Thank you, everyone, for being with us. Unfortunately, uh, Rowdy, we lost him with the internet connection. But good to have uh, you, Nicole, and Emmanuel, and Dre, and then, of course, Pastor Arthur and Pastor Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great discussion. Just remember that our calling, each one of us, is to obviously move into a place where we are, first and foremost, we're sons of God. And um, from that place, we minister you know, out of the uh, assurance of our relationship and our identity in him. And, of course, intimacy is so important. Intimacy. You can be a son but not be close to your father, and we need to be, we need to be close. So thank you guys for being part of this discussion. Really uh, been a blessing. Uh, just before we go, I just want to comment for those of you who, who've been um, watching We'd love to connect with you on the kingdom community. Guys, um, we would love for you to check out some of the things that we're doing on the kingdom community. Just head over to the website, kingdomcommunity.global, and click on connect or connection and be part of uh, you know what we're doing here as well. That would be awesome. We have a mentoring that we do in the third Wednesday of every month with different people from around the world that are part of that. We're talking about the kingdom right now. We're talking about the apostolic. We're going to be shifting into some new topics in the new year as well. Good stuff. And love for you guys to connect with us um, on, on this program, on what we call Kingdom Encounter or Kingdom Community Broadcast. We have two different titles. Follow us on social media, the podcast. Download the Kingdom Community apps. Um We'd love for you guys to be that. And hey, this Monday, join me for the discussion. We're going to be talking with people who are ministering around the world, impacting uh, unreached people groups. It's it's going to be awesome, guys. And then just one last thing I want to throw this out to you. If you are interested in being part of an incredible time of encountering the presence of God and then heading out on a mission trip. We're doing a missions boot camp in Venice, Florida, March 18th through the 20th. Uh, that weekend is going to be incredible. We've got Lydia and Nathan Merrill coming to be with us. 
Uh, it's going to be a time of teaching, impartation, worship, seeking after God. And then Monday, we jump on an airplane and we go down to Honduras and we're going to be doing ministry in the garbage dump. We're going to be doing ministry on the streets. We're doing and our goal at the end of it is we're going to actually um, the people that we win to Christ, we're going to disciple them, get them plugged into basically uh, a church that that we're going to be starting or a gathering for discipleship and so on. So we'd love for you guys, if you're interested, head over to the website, awakenations.org forward slash missions, awakenations.org forward slash missions. You can sign up there, get more information, sign up for our Soteria school starting in January, awakenations.org, Soteria, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can sign up for our kingdom school, which is not only receiving um, healing and deliverance in your life, but this is now taking it to the level where you minister to others as well. So thank you guys again for being with us. It's been a great broadcast. I look forward to seeing you next time. My name is Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations Ministries. Have a great day, a great night, wherever you are in the world. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying this show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast. When your dad started building a man cave in your bedroom, you knew it was time to start building something for yourself. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, we're ready to help at every stage of your search. Build a resume, get industry tips and advice, and apply to multiple jobs in just one click. Start your search at CareerBuilder.com.